Welcome to the Theology Etc. Podcast. I'm your host, Forrest Antimaceris. Theology Etc. Podcast is about God, what He's revealed, who He is, who we are as His people, and anything in between. Theology Etc. Podcast can be found really wherever you can find podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or head over to www.theologyetc.org. I want to thank you for listening, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. again welcome to the theology etc podcast glad to be back glad to have another episode uh, going out to you guys today i'm sitting down virtually with cameron meeks cameron is the minister at the college road church of christ in palatka florida which is really close to saint augustine so if you're ever in the saint augustine area be sure to uh, go and check him out for sure he's recently got married to jenna his wife and they've been together, what did you say, about three months, three or four months now, married? That's right, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. Uh, and Cameron is right now studying for a Master's of Arts in Old Testament from Fried Hardeman University. Uh, but Cameron, glad to have you on the show. We've been friends for a little while. You're one of the original supporters of the podcast, um, just with encouragement and everything from day one. So I'm glad glad to be doing the episode with you, man. Yeah, man, it's it's a, it's an honor. It's a privilege. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting topic. Um, we're talking about history repeating itself. Um, yeah. And this is something you say that we see in the Bible, right? Yeah, for sure. Definitely in the Old Testament. Um, the nation of Israel making mistake after mistake and then fixing it. And then doing it all over again, kind of proving true the statement, history repeating itself. Yeah, so there's that quote, that famous quote, you know, those who fail to study history, fail to learn history, are doomed to repeat it. Do you think that's what we see in the biblical record in the Old Testament? Like people just not learning from their mistakes, or is it more than that? I would say definitely that statement um, is proven true as we as we just start reading the Old Testament. If the if the nation of Israel had learned from their own history what not to do, they definitely wouldn't have made the mistakes they they continued to make, you know, as history unfolded. Um, I, I mean, I guess it always helps, you know, to to be a student of history. Um, it would, I guess, it make you mindful of, you know, what not to do, but that, that doesn't, in the end, keep people from making mistakes, you know. Uh, the nation of Israel still would have, <laughs> unfortunately, probably still have made the mistakes, even though they knew what their fathers uh, did was wrong. They People are people, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, knowledge might not necessarily be the ultimate cure, because you could still know to do you know what's right or know how to avoid a mistake and still still fall into that so that's a good point so so i guess you know would you say do we see this the most clearly then in the book of judges that's probably the most famous example but it's a book that a lot of times might go overlooked in our churches and even in our personal study right yeah i mean opening up judges 
you read the first chapter, you read the, I mean, it's not long after the first, the first few pages in the book, chapter two, I mean, you just, you start seeing that the Lord raised up judges and the people that were being judged knew what was right to do and they didn't do it. And it, the process repeated itself over and over and over. It's as early as chapter two. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of have this, you know, some people call it like a cycle or a circle where Israel sins and then God sends one of the nations around them to them to kind of punish them or maybe discipline them. And then they cry out for help. They repent. God sends a judge. The judge rescues them. And they're, you know, they might be a little solid for a little bit. And then they just go right back into sinning. And God, again, sends one of the nations around them uh, to punish them. It's pretty crazy. Right. For sure. Uh, so, so what are the what are some of the things you think, kind of just bringing it home? You know, what is the significance? I guess if somebody were to say, okay, yeah, so big what? People repeat mistakes. Like, who cares? You know, what is the signi- significance of that phenomenon uh, of history repeating itself, and even seeing it in the Bible? Like, you know, I guess, uh, like, so what? Why does it matter to me? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man, that's a I guess my my question is another question. Um, why would it not matter? You know, mm, yeah. um, we. I think one of the greatest attributes of being a human is the ability to choose freely what we do, and if we see negative negative consequences befall those who do something wrong. Um, it should be in our best interest. Uh, it would be our best interest to not do what they did. And we're not, you know, I don't think humans take advantage of learning from other people's mistakes uh, so that we don't repeat those mistakes and ultimately, you know, undergo those consequences, those, those punishments that we see, you know, uh, happen to Israel. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, we're kind of almost endangering ourselves by not taking heed to these things and trying to uh, trying to put them in place uh, in our own life. Um, so where else have you seen this? So it's definitely a theme in the book of Judges, for sure. Is it something that also extends throughout, like, some of the other parts of the Old Testament? Do you, do you think we still see it today? Like, I understand the Bible is not being written right now. Uh, that that's all sealed. Um, but this is more than just one book in the Bible, right? Oh yeah, man, <laughs> for, for sure. It's, it seems like, I mean, if, if someone is approaching the Bible for the first time, um, which I sometimes wish for myself that I could kind of put myself in a frame of mind, like I'm approaching the scriptures for the first time, uh, to just experience the awe of it from the first reading of something like this. I mean, because because it's the Bible, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, from from start to finish, you see people repeating the I mean, repeating the mistakes that others made. And if they had just if they had just taken heed of the instruction from 
their fathers, their father's fathers, then punishment wouldn't wouldn't come to them. You know, uh, we know David takes uh, personal notes down through the, through the Psalms, and you know he reflects back on on his life, and we we know David's story. Uh, if he had learned <laughs> in his, if he had learned from uh, his fathers and uh, his father's fathers, you know, right? Uh, then he wouldn't have he wouldn't have come to as many punishments as he had. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. There's kind of this built into, um, built into Judaism and the Bible and the Old Testament. You kind of have there is this God-given responsibility for parents to teach their children stuff. And even in, you know, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, which is like, some people would argue like the most foundational text, if not in the Old Testament, in the Bible. That is like embedded in this discussion of these are things you need to teach your children. And, you know, you need to teach them. And it's not just like a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, we're going to have a VBS once a year and that's going to cut it. It's like day in and day out at home, you're supposed to be teaching your kids this. Um, For sure. That's what we see in Deuteronomy. And then you see almost like when that doesn't happen um, and people aren't learning, you know, from the previous generation and the current generation really isn't taking any effort to reach out to those who are younger than them. That definitely, do you think that adds fuel to the cycle almost? No doubt, man. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I think, at least personally, like one of the, and that, that's another thing that really always strikes me when I read the book of Judges. Kind of it's, um, you know, Judges put, picks up really right where Joshua leaves off. And at the end of the book of Joshua, it says pretty much all of Israel is pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and even after Joshua died, the elders and those, you know, the generate the couple generations after the elders that were with Joshua, they were faithful. And then you've got in the book of Judges, I think uh, there's even an explicit mention of there grows up a generation that forgot what God had done. They were not taught by the right. people preceding them all these things. And the result is, well, you know, uh just disastrous right for sure and i know well i'm reminded of uh, an example and i know it's it's fast forwarding um hundreds of years into the future from the standpoint of judges right but when when the nation of israel had gotten so lost um the lord of course, would provide uh, prophets, messengers to to bring to the nation reminders. Hey, get back, get back, get back, come back to me, come back to me. Um, and what's really sad is when we open up Prophet Jeremiah's book, we see that the Lord is uh, His mercy has come to come to us, kind of like a an end almost, at least for that generation. Right. Because I mean, they had they had not learned from the past generation 
and they had continued in their wickedness so much to the point that the Lord said, you know what? You you got yourself here. What's what's coming for you? Punishment. 70 years of captivity. That's what we see Jeremiah's just saying, look, guys, we y'all screwed the pooch here. <laughs> y'all right, messed up. It, it's Yeah. We didn't learn. He says, y'all, it's coming. Punishment is coming, and it's because we got ourselves here. Um, and all of that could have been avoided if, 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 if the nation of Israel that Jeremiah was talking to uh, had studied history, they wouldn't have gotten to them to that point. At least, I hope they would have not gotten to that point if they had just learned the, you know, the the lessons. Yeah, that's a good point, and um, and they, they had a lot to learn from. They could have learned from their neighbors and brethren who were swept away in captivity before them. They could have learned from the prophets that were already sent. I mean, you know, we hate to talk about God's mercy almost like you were saying, like running out or coming to an end, but it's not like this was their first mistake and already God was tired of keeping up. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like they just continually refused to learn and just were prideful and and still remained in their sin, which I think is a humbling thing for us. You know, uh, you know, how many how many chances has God given us without giving up on us? And that that ought to humble us and that ought to um, cause us cause us to live a certain way. But I'm always I'm glad you brought up Jeremiah, because Jeremiah, I think. Uh, for sure, at least for me, is my favorite major prophet, if you're allowed to have a favorite. I don't know what the rules are on that. Oh, how dare you? The whole the <laughs> yeah. whole Bible. <laughs> yeah, it has to be my favorite. There you go. Um, and I, f- I feel like a lot of people, you know, he's called the weeping prophet. Yeah, like we all know that. But a lot of people, I feel like, don't talk about the emotion in Jeremiah from the perspective of, how hurt God is. And I think sometimes we're we're uncomfortable with that language almost because I don't know. It's, it's sometimes I think some people are scared to like admit that like God feels emotions almost, you know. But he he certainly does. Like when you read about what he reveals about himself and how he feels in in certain books. And the thing with Jeremiah that really gets me, it's almost like um a spouse writing to you know um his wife, a husband writing to his wife who like almost just refuses to be faithful to him. Um, and, you know, he's given her all these second chances and all this different stuff and it's just not working out. And, uh, and it's almost like the goodbye letter. Like, it's like that powerful to me, at least. Um, like there's a lot of emotion in the book of Jeremiah. And I think it, you really hit on why because you have this moment where mercy is running out and that's part of that's part of what makes it so sad oh yeah your words remind me of god in a way exemplifying what he feels uh, when we open up hosea we see a man um, told to take a harlot as, as his wife and despite the uh, occasions of her leaving God tells Hosea, you know, take take her back, take her back. And the I'm sure the heartbreak that Hosea felt, God told him to endure it. And we see an, an amazing picture of God 
uh, with his arms open still, you know, through the example of uh, Hosea. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. And even, I mean, even in the book of Judges, even though it's a sad cycle of history repeating itself, and it's a sad cycle of human selfishness, it also exposes God's mercy in a way, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, because they keep on getting these chances, and God keeps sending judges, even though they keep, you know, they keep spoiling their opportunities, they keep, uh, you know, refusing uh, to, to let their repentance bear the fruit it should but god god's still there like he still hasn't given up on them and he's using some pretty like gnarly stuff to help them out to redeem them and rescue them you know i mean you've got samson and his whole gross situation you've got that lady with the nail driving it through the head of the um the uh the head of the uh (laughs) king just like all this crazy stuff like what and it's like Israel's just hanging on by a thread, but it's because, you know, they had forgotten what the Lord had done for them, and they had forgotten to teach that uh, to the people who were coming up after them. Right. Yeah. Now that's, I guess, it would, it, it's, I know it's easy for me to focus on um, just how bad nation, the nation of Israel was throughout history. Um and I tend to really hone in on that, like, man, could could they have been any any more stubborn? Could they have been any more stupid? Um, when really I should be focusing on, man, we have a gracious God. We have a a merciful, merciful God who is willing to endure our uh, our shortcomings uh, because of His love for us. Yeah, that's a really great, powerful point. I mean, we often have this conversation, like you said, from the perspective of Israel's stupidity instead of from the perspective of God's mercy and grace and also his power. Like, look at what he's working with, you know? Um, And that's what he's able to, that's what he's able to use. Uh, So it's pretty, um, pretty impressive stuff for sure. Um, So what about... In the New Testament, um, there's a passage I have in mind. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this or not. But I think we have an admonition regarding this for ourselves today as Christians. But before we go there, anything else from the book of Judges uh, regarding this theme of history repeating itself? Hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, not not that I can really think of. Okay. Um. Okay, and I'll just. I am interested. This, <laughs> I'm interested in knowing where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we'll just go there then. We'll just go there then. See, the one I had, the 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 passage that I had in mind was in First Corinthians ten. Um, where Paul starts off with this type anti-type thing of all of Israel being baptized with Moses in the Red Sea. But then he goes on to, he pretty much tells them that 
all the shortfallings of Israel in a way serve for the people of God. Yeah, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, speaking of those who were destroyed after the Exodus, he says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. So Paul's really saying there that we can learn from the mistakes of Israel, the sin of Israel, uh, and really their doom, or at least you know some of some of the 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 people in the nation of Israel, and learn from that and kind of grow from it, so that we don't end up doing the same thing. Um, right. And and then he kind of concludes that whole thing with verses 12 through 13. If anyone thinks he stands, take take heed lest he falls. So we ought to be thinking of these things, thinking back on them, kind of doing that personal inventory, making sure none of that stuff is springing up in our life. And then, of course, he tells us that no temptation has overtaken us that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And Paul's saying, like, look, you don't have to fall into this circular trap. You don't have to fall into these same sins because... Kind of like how you were saying earlier, we have the ability to know better, and we ought to, and we ought to take heed to these things. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's cool. Paul kind of just tells us, like, just exactly what you're saying. Like, learn from history. Don't allow it to repeat itself. Don't fall into the same stuff they fell into. Yeah, for sure. Not only do we see the the powerful apostle Paul uh, say these words uh, of reminder, we see. Peter saying that he he is going to be there ready to remind us uh, as well. Second Peter chapter one. Uh, I'm going to see verse 12 here. He says, therefore, I will therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, you know, uh, uh, it's it's within a person to need a reminder. <laughs> we forget right. sometimes, you know, we forget. Right. Um, but we have to be ready, um, I guess, to hold each other accountable, um, to to be the reminder for others and be the reminders for ourselves uh, to keep doing the things we know that are right, to stay in the truths we've we've been taught. Yeah, that's a that's a great point there. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the Lord's Supper because you know, the Lord's Supper was instituted with the elements of at the time of the Passover Supper. You know, and the Passover was this reminder. God instituted it back in Exodus 12. He talks about how it was so that Israel would not forget how God rescued them out of the hand or out of. Yeah. That God would not, that Israel would not forget how God rescued them uh, from the bondage of Egypt with a mighty hand. So that's why they kept observing the Passover as a reminder um, of how good God was to them, and that ought to affect their lives. It ought to uh, allow them to live for Him, etc. And then Jesus takes that and, of course, institutes the Lord's Supper with those same elements during that same celebration and observance. And now you, we have the Lord's Supper, which again is a reminder of what God has done for us, how he's rescued us from sin. Uh, we're to examine ourselves. We're to, you know, discern the Lord's body. We're to uh, take that and to allow that to motivate us to, you know, a degree of holy living 
because we're thinking of that every week, you know, probably more than every week, but at least in that formal sense, that once a week um, observance of like, look, this is what Jesus did for me. I'm observing what he did for me. I'm, I'm, you know, in a sense, celebrating and being reminded of what he's done. And that ought to cause me not to slip back in to the same things he saved me from. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, man. Excellent words. That's, man, you were, (laughs) you were speaking truth right now, man. (laughs) I'm I'm trying not to preach, but it's hard. I probably shouldn't record these podcast episodes from behind (laughs) the pulpit. No, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, I think we see this in God. You know, kind of. I think it speaks to how God knows us too, that He knows we need a reminder. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Goodness gracious, if if I had a if I had a penny for all the things I forget, I'd be a rich man. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> you you definitely forget. That you were that you were getting a penny for everything you forgot, probably. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so, so history repeating itself. Okay, so what can we learn? Maybe if we zoom out a little bit, um, like as the church today in the 21st century, what can we learn from this? And that maybe not just on an individual level. I'm talking like, you know. Like, like the church around the world. Like, what can we learn from history repeating itself? Not necessarily from the book of Judges, but maybe just things, some things in our past, whatever it might be. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, kind of getting my thoughts ready for, uh, for this conversation. Um, I've, I don't know if, I don't know if you've uh, observed this. But I tend to see congregations, uh, families of uh, of the Lord's body, coming into the same problems, um, what seems to be like over and over again. Uh, I don't know what we can learn from the topic, history repeats itself, uh, as it relates to our individual congregations. But I think, um, like you were talking about, taking a step back kind of zooming out of our situation right if we can see if we can see the patterns um maybe let's take uh, evangelism for example if we can see the patterns of um, evangelism or the little tactics not working or you know if we're doing the same thing over and over again it's not working then we shouldn't a couple of years later do the same thing and and expect a different result you know Um, right that might be a little uh, too simple of uh, an example, but I think I'm trying to, I think I illustrate the point that, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Uh, is that the definition of insanity? That's what people say. I've never checked it in a dictionary, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've, I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I suppose so. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Kind of just, yeah, sometimes we get almost in these personal cycles or maybe congregational cycles of just throwing the same thing against the wall, even though it's not sticking. And then we wonder why we're not successful and we're not meeting our goals. 
And right. sometimes we need to, to kind of just take that step back and be like, okay, what can we do that's fresh? What can we do that's new but scriptural? What can we do that hasn't been tried but is still scriptural? You know, I got to put that caveat on. Um, yeah. You know, what can we, what, how can we approach this in a new way? I think, I think that's a good point. And I think that if you, and this is not my forte, I'm not going to pretend like it is, but I think we can even learn some things in this vein of, um, what's the word? The whole thing of the show is uh, this whole episode, learn, you know, history repeating itself. I think there's some things we can learn from history repeating itself in like church history, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and off the top of my head, there's a couple of different lessons. I think, you know, from church history, we can learn about how dangerous it is to blend at an official level, like church and state, you know what I mean? Um, in the example of like when Christianity became, and I'm doing air quotes here, the official religion of the Roman empire. And then how it just took on, like from organizational structure downwards, it kind of took on these elements from the civil life of Rome. You know what I mean? And it and it totally reshaped what Christianity was, what it was about, um, et cetera. So I think there's a lesson for us there, kind of like long-term big picture, you know? For sure. And then I think about, like churches of Christ, at least in America, and the things that have divided us in the past that shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Um, or things that have divided us in the past that maybe we're still divided over that we've just never, we've never, you know, it's been about whether it's some of the non-institutional issues or uh, some of the bigger um, issues, but either way, you know, just being mindful of what's divided us in the past and trying to keep that from happening in the future. Like yeah. trying to, you know, mindful of what's divided us, trying to have those conversations earlier and more frequently, trying to be open and honest with each other, uh, trying to make sure, you know, we don't get to a point where um, we're just splintered into a million different pieces. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but, uh, you know, where someone might... I guess never vocalize it, but what's what always seems to um, prove itself, at least in behavior, is well, I I like the I like the routine that I'm in. I don't want to change. You know, change is scary. Right. I don't want to break free from the pattern and the the way I've been doing things for however many however many years. I just can't you know, break out of that, how, you know, <laughs> that's, right. just, I guess, human nature to not want to change out of a routine, even though it might be better to, <laughs> to do that. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think, you know, um, I've been able to, in my life, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm really not, because I think a lot of this, like, I can't even brag about it, because I feel like, a lot of this that I'm about to discuss isn't necessarily even my fault. Like it's not necessarily like because of my own strength. Like I've been able to drop a decent amount of bad habit habits. I've been able to pick up a fair amount of good habits over time. Um, 
and I again like it's not because I'm smart or strong or anything like that some of it I think is environmental some of it might be biological some of it I know for sure is God's help but um it takes sometimes it takes like a shake up a shake up and a wake up to get out of some of those habits you know um and the shake up is something happening that is different maybe it's disruptive maybe you know your bad habits get to the point where for the first time you see how negatively they're affecting either yourself or those around you and then you have the wake up where you're like you almost come to yourself like the prodigal son how it says that he you know he's sitting there feeding uh feeding pigs their food and he's like man i wish i could eat some of that pig food that's the shake up the wake up is oh man um I could go back to my father. You know what I mean? He comes right. to himself, the Bible says. Uh, so I think like that's almost needed. You almost need that kind of like that disruptive quality and then that that almost self-inventory check of like, whoa, what am I doing here um, to change some things? And, you know, obviously not every habit is bad. You know, sometimes we're in good cycles. We're in good cy- uh, circles of doing good things. But for sure, every now and then, I think we just need to be self-aware enough to uh, to break out break out of some things, to start some new things. And I think, at least personally, sometimes why I'm scared of that is because it's hard to do that without like feeling guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously, like we don't want to feel guilty, uh, and it's hard to do that without like condemning yourself. But I think that's part of the the challenge to come uh, to a place where you can kind of observe yourself or maybe your church or whatever it may be from a fairly objective standpoint and not not from not with condemnation, not with judgment and just saying, what can we do better? Right. You know, how can we uh, how can we improve? What are we doing that's not working? And I think that's a really hard thing to do, but I think that it can be extremely beneficial. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, life, all, all throughout life, it, it seems to me that as the, the more steps you take uh, in life's journey, uh, the, more, the definitely, definitely the more you grow. At least that's, that's how it should be. Attaining this idea of wisdom as we continue to live, continue to experience, well, that didn't work. Well, well this did, so I should stick with that, you know, um, chasing wisdom throughout life remembering our past mistakes and and learning yeah. from them you know uh, i don't know why i thought of of this but have you have you uh, heard the serenity prayer before um you know god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference you know mm-hmm. right right powerful words yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a humbling reminder, you know, um, kind of making that distinction in their own minds and, and asking for God's help, I think I think can be a powerful thing. Well, I guess what, uh, what I was thinking to myself was, say, say a, a church or, or an individual is in a cycle of life and they, they recognize they're in the cycle. Um, they know history has repeated itself, and they've gotten to them. They've gotten themselves there. I guess right. what we've talked, what we've talked about, um, may answer this question. But how, 
how is it we can break ourselves out of the routine? Does it take that, you know, uh, courageous step to just say, hey, no, I'm going to do things different from now on? Right. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, I mean, I mean, that's definitely part of it. Like, I think that's like the central thing of it. But I don't feel like that question just comes naturally. Like, because that, you know what I mean? Like, unless you are in a habit of kind of doing personal inventory and you're in a habit of every, maybe on a congregational level. I think I think this is a great idea. I think every, you know, on a congregational level, and I don't think I came up with this. I'm pretty sure I heard this from somebody way, way wiser. But even at a congregational level, every so often you should be asking, the leadership should be asking, okay, what are we doing that is working? What are we doing that's not? Like maybe every year you have a yearly meeting uh, where, you know, either the leaders or the elders or, or whatever your congregational situation is, if you had a yearly meeting where you um, where you sit down and you know, okay, we're going to ask these questions. I think that's the hard part. You have to be mindful about the fact, not only that those questions need asking, but you have to actually ask them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Because I think like when we're in those cycles, we all know the question that ought to be asked, but we're not necessarily honestly asking it. Right. Gotcha. Um, and that's and that's why like I'm a big like the shake up and the wake up man. I I literally had never used that. It sounds super corny, but I'm a super corny <laughs> guy. Like I'm just gonna own it. I I, I love corn. That's just who I am. <laughs> um, like I feel like sometimes like it's a, and it's a cliche. Like you know when you're at rock bottom, the only place you have to look is up. Like that's, that's cliche, true. and we're kind of like, uh, okay. But I feel like there's some truth to that, man. Like. Like, there's some congregations that might not be examining what they're doing, but in 30 years, when they've lost 75% of their members, I promise you, they're going to start evaluating. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, And it's sad that that might be what it takes, or even us with some of our destructive habits in 10 years or 20 years when, you know, there's relationships that are ruined or there's whatever it is. Uh, that might be the shakeup that causes us to wake up. You never know. And even with, I think about in the book of Judges, God didn't send the judge just while Israel was doing okay. He sent the judge in the depth of their oppression. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh man, things are starting to get a little hard. God, can you help us? It was like they had nowhere else to turn. Right. And God's coming in uh, and he's reaching out to them and he's setting somebody up to help them. And I think that might be another part of just, you know, like you were talking about human nature. That might just be another part of our psyche. And you and you touched on it. We don't like to change. Um, But sometimes like we just have those wake up calls of like, no, we have to. Right. But I think we can avoid we can avoid the shake up if (laughs) we're, we're mindfully shooting for the wake up if we're like if we have just that internal desire to conduct that self-inventory that internal desire to every whether it's a year or however so often to ask those big questions and to answer them honestly i feel like that goes a long way oh yeah um the i guess if if i can say this the oppression that i think the church at large 
is experiencing today or is is facing today. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if I've heard it from this podcast, but uh, complacency. You know, we're we're so willing to stay where we are, uh, just out of out of complacency. We don't want to change. Right. Um, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if maybe you've experienced this, but I've observed you know congregations that were once great, you know, not only in number but in 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 power of delivery to uh, the community, you know, the gospel delivering it to the community that are now like reduced to, uh, you know, single digit numbers uh, in attendance. And it's, it's sad to see that, but it, right. it appears like complacency has been the victorious oppressor for most churches. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen that or if I'm just rambling, but. No, I think that's a great point. And I think that that's a biblical point, And I think that you know, there's a number of New Testament passages you can look at to talk about how complacency can be can be dangerous. I think I'm not saying you got that idea from this podcast because a lot of people have talked about it, but um, there is an episode of Theology Etc. called "The Danger of Comfort Zones" um, that touches on that a little bit, not to do like a shameful, shameless uh, self promotion or anything, but I think that's a great point, and we just and whether it's complacency of like we're fine, things are gonna bounce back, the old stuff's gonna work, we don't really need to worry about it, or if it's complacency from the perspective of an unwillingness to be flexible. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of like, eh, no, it's okay. You know, you can kind of rest on our laurels and be like, we've done enough, I think. There's no reason to change with the times. And sometimes we get frustrated about new cultural trends. We get frustrated about how society is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, you can raise your arms, you can shout, you can scream. That's not going to help bring people to Jesus. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you just, I mean, it's one of those hard to swallow pills. You almost just have to humble yourself and say, okay, we need to change something. What are we going to do? And, but again, who am I? I'm just a guy with a microphone, you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot easier said than done, um, which I think just contributes to the challenge of the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, complacency, I think, man, is, and, you know, I'm not the, I, I don't think we're the only ones saying this. I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to how we need to, to be more proactive, how we need to be more willing to, to get creative uh, and, to, and to just genuinely be as effective as we can. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. So I feel like we've really ran the gamut with this. Like we went from <laughs> like yeah. Old Testament book, Old Testament history book to we touched on the New Testament. We went like a personal level, congregational level, uh, church wide level like we um in a very efficient manner, I feel like we, we squeezed a lot out of this topic. Well, I agree. Yes. <laughs> and and I have I have to give all the credit in the world to you, Cameron. You uh you did a you did a good job, man, helping us get there for oh, sure. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, uh so let's just boil it down. Okay, so let's start to boil it down. Some just final some final thoughts about history repeating itself yeah um it's a powerful statement that i think should 
maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't say daily, but reg. I, sh- I guess I should say regularly. Um, enters our minds to prompt us to do a self check because we got to check ourselves before we uh, wreck ourselves, right? Is that that's a there statement? There you go. I think. That's that's uh, the phrase. <laughs> yeah, history repeating itself. That's a that's a that's a phrase that should prompt us uh, to check. You know, do a self analysis of where we're at and if we need to do things better then by all means do it uh, and learn from the mistakes of other people you know yeah yeah definitely that that's a great point um the uh the listeners of the podcast who are 90s hip-hop fans will be thankful to you for saying we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves <laughs> for sure that's right that's right um but yeah, no, absolutely. That's a fantastic point. And we, uh, I think that's spot on. And it's something we think, like history repeats itself. We usually think of like secular things. We usually think of like world wars and drama and, you know, uh, geopolitical intrigue. Um, but we we very rarely, I think, as a group of people, narrow it down to an individual level, narrow it down to a congregational level. And, and try to take inventory of the things we're doing that could be more effective, the things we're doing that might be harmful. So yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a good reminder, something that we should think of regularly and something we uh, just from time to time just need to humble ourselves and go to God and, and ask for help. And uh, I think, you know, he's willing to do big things for us. And I think we can make a big, a big difference in this world with his help. That's right. Straight on, man. Amen, I should say. <laughs> Amen. There you go. There you go. Um, well, Cameron, thanks for being on the show, man. I, I really do. I really do appreciate it. I'm glad uh, this new season of Theology, etc. kicks off uh, with you as as the guest slash co-host. I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure, man. I I respect highly what you do and what this podcast is for. I know for me, uh, and I'm sure for a lot of people, it's a it's an encouraging thing to to sit down and, and listen to a brother talk about practical stuff and uh, in a relatable way. So I thank you too. Well, well, thanks man. I, I appreciate that. Um, awesome. I enjoyed it. And um, yeah, for all of you listening, thanks for listening. And we will have a new episode coming up pretty soon after this. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following and subscribing and we'll see you next time. God bless. 